Here comes the best, the most well-rounded, best-smelling, nothing-off-limits podcast in the world. Welcome to Quadcast with Courtney Olson. In the red corner, the woman with the world's deadliest thighs. In the blue corner, some loser about to lose. Let's get ready to mumble. What do you know or what kind of insight can you give us in terms of, say, I'm no, (laughs) I wouldn't even put myself at 1% of knowing the intricacies of deep fakes. Yeah. But what do you see as being the most problematic with that moving forward? And how does the current technology that MindGeek possess battle that? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, Obviously, and maybe it doesn't go without saying, but it should, um, you know, our terms of service clearly prohibit the use of deep fakes. that is, you know, AI generating, you know, the likeness of a real person in a sexual context, that's absolutely prohibited. Our verified uploader program uh, is designed to combat that, to ensure that we're talking about a real live person who matches their content, um, as, as seen by both computer and human moderation, to ensure that it's the same person depicted in the content as the, the verified uploader. But the, the emergence of deep fakes is another indication as to why no tech company, MindGeek included, can rest on their laurels, right? When I see the work that they've done and the technology that they've created, uh, you know, that's, that's today for today's threats. Our engineering teams are working every single day on threats that people aren't even aware of, that right. we're starting to see emerge around the internet, that, you know, our NGO partners and law enforcement partners are telling us about, uh, but that requires technology to evolve. And, you know, when I think about why we're doing this? Why did Ethical Capital Partners make this acquisition? And it, it, you know, one of, one of the, the, the things that continues to resonate with me is that if a company like MindGeek, which is guided by both the technological and the social principles of adapting to these challenges, of making a safe place to share this content, and also to do it responsibly where we're accountable, right? We're in a jurisdiction. We don't run away from litigation. We don't run away from regulators. We engage with them. Uh, if, if a company like that cannot succeed and thrive, then the void will be filled by people who have no rules right. and operate in jurisdictions that are unregulated, where they're unreachable by court order, unreachable by law enforcement. And what we will see is the traffic who are looking for legal consensual adult material will have nowhere to find it and will be pushed to, you know, very dark places. So like in Utah, for example. Yeah. Like the, I only just saw, was it yesterday that Utah has banned the whole entire state for viewing Pornhub, is that right? So what's happened is Utah implemented an age verification law for users, okay? Now I'll say very clearly, and this is the view of Ethical Capital Partners and a view I know that MindGeek shares. We strongly support an age verification solution which both protects children, in other words, it works, uh, and also safeguards user data privacy. What Utah has done is required individual sites to collect the private identifying information of every visitor and store it. And that is something we simply were not willing to do, and therefore we decided to cease operating in Utah until they fix that law. The solution for age verification on the internet is one that uh, combines the interests of both government, but also industry and our expertise. It's a simple one, I'll tell you what it is, okay? okay. It could be if there was uh, both, I'd call it legislative will and industry will, we could have 
perfect age verification tomorrow? It goes like this. The answer is device-based age verification. Um, 95% plus of all internet traffic and probably close to 100% of young people use a device or an operating system manufactured by one of three companies, Google, Apple, or Microsoft. All that needs to happen, and they could do this with a software update tomorrow, the type of technology that I talked about for our verified uploaders, you'd be asked tomorrow, would you like this to be an adult device? You say, I would, yes. Hold up your license, scan your face, done, it's confirmed with your information, you now have an adult device. And instead of therefore making it site by site, knowing that you know, sites like Pornhub will always comply with the law, but many will not. So you know, I always say, we're not making a wall around adult if you do it the wrong way. You're making a little doorway and any young person can just walk around it and go somewhere else, right? Yeah. So it's not gonna be effective. But if it's done at the device level, <laughs> right. then it's perfectly effective. And when you know, a young person, they put in their age, and when they turn 18, the law, the age of majority in their jurisdiction, they now have access to the adult internet. And this is not just a porn issue. We're talking about, online gambling, mature video games, we're talking about you know alcohol or cannabis sales, tobacco, whatever it is, we need an adult gate around the internet. Right. We are long overdue for one. It's not a porn problem. Um, so I can tell you uh, ECP and, and MindGeek are more than happy to be part of that solution. In other words, the device is the, is the key, we will, help, we will build the lock on the other side. Got it. But Utah, what Utah requires is that we collect the very private sensitive information of, of users. So number one, it won't work because people just go to a different site. Young people will go to a different site. Um, and, and number two, we cannot expose people's to, to people to that type of privacy, uh, you know, huge, massive infringement on their privacy. So we are working every day and calling for device-based age verification. Uh, I know it's coming. I, I have faith, right, um, that governments want to get this right. Industry wants to get this right. Uh, and we are, you know, a very eager participant in that solution. But at the same time, when it comes to a state like Utah, uh, as they've said clearly, they're really just trying to, you know, keep people from seeing adult material. That comes from a religious, a political, ideological view. Uh, we are not going to be involved with that. Um, and right now we've we made the hard decision to suspend access uh, to all of our platforms in Utah. Oh, it's super interesting. What did your daughter say <laughs> when you told her that you were getting involved with the porn industry? So instead of telling her, I asked her what she thought, yeah. right? Because I hadn't made a firm decision yet. Um, but uh, we're, 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 we got a pretty open household. We, we, my kids, obviously, my, my work is very public as a criminal lawyer. Um, they read about my cases in the newspaper. They hear about it on radio or online. Uh, so we have very frank discussions. So you're telling me you have adult conversations <laughs> with your kids and, and not well, put your head in the sand. Well, I'll say this. Um, I, I've tried uh, for as long as my children have been verbal um, <laughs> to not speak down to them. Yeah. Um, now, that sometimes you have to translate things a little bit, right. but I, I, I don't believe in, in talking to kids like they're kids because, you know, I, I, one of the things I do on the side is I'm an, an adjunct law professor. I teach the law. I teach the law of evidence. I teach uh, criminal evidence. And I always say, you know, the topics that we're dealing with, let's say uh, I'm teaching my students in law school. They're no more complex or no more sophisticated than a 13-year-old can understand. We just have dressed it up with some fancy language. But when it comes to the animating values in our, you know, in our constitution, in our criminal law, young people have no problem understanding uh, these, these, these issues. You just have to speak to them, you know, strip out a little bit of the, of the complex language, and they're right there with you. So I've tried to do that with my kids. Um, and we have all sorts of agreements, disagreements. I, in fact, I've got great insights from speaking to my kids. Um, when I spoke to my, my daughter in particular, 
and I asked her what she thought. She'd already kind of knew what I was up to. This was, you know, uh, in sort of the second year of COVID. We're all working from home. You know, they're, they're doing some school from home. I'm doing lots of video conferences, and, you know, we, they, they can hear what I'm talking about. So they're sort of piecing together at least what, what, what's being pitched to me. Um, and I asked her what she thinks. And she says, look, this material is going to exist no matter what. Right? Uh, people with the right values should be involved with it. Otherwise, you know, who will be involved with it? Um, these should be safe spaces, right? And I think that there is an enormous amount of wisdom in that. And it's something that I've carried with me, this notion that what we're trying to do is to create a safe space for adults to engage in sex-positive free expression on the internet. And if we don't protect those spaces, I think we do our society a disservice. Now, how do you protect those spaces? How do you balance a lot of competing interests? How do you balance you know, privacy versus security? Well, these are complicated questions, and they're ones we need grown-ups in the room right. uh, dealing with this. We also need the adult industry to emerge out of the shadows and proudly engage with government and regulators and law enforcement and academia, all the things that you know, mainstream companies do and the great benefits that come as a result of doing that. Those have been shut out uh, by adult because ownership generally isn't willing to engage openly, or they don't have the life experience or the expertise or the networks to do that um, because they've sort of you know, grown up in the adult uh, world. That's where their professional career has been. So one of the really cool things uh, about not just our partnership at ECP, but our advisory board is that we made it part of our mission to reach out to diverse individuals with diverse life experiences and skills uh, with a real dose of humility, saying, we don't have all the answers. This is not like a tech bro solution. <laughs> We're gonna come and fix adult. Right? Far from it. What we're going to do is listen and learn from the people who have all sorts of interests, whether it's you know, law enforcement working on human trafficking day in, day out, whether it's sex workers who are trying to balance you know, their privacy interests, their financial interests, trying to make a living, right? with academics who are studying this, with experts who spend their careers, and like you, you know, in female empowerment. Right and education of young people and how do we how do we educate young people about what pornography is and isn't so that nobody thinks it's a representation of real life or or you know is is a uh, a replacement for sexuality you know I think like you know you look at Hollywood movies for example nobody goes and watches John Wick and says that's my tomorrow I'm gonna be I'm gonna do gung gun fu and be you know an, an action star this is fantasy right young people need to get that same education where they say, look, once you, are, once you come upon pornography, okay, this is fantasy. It is not reality. Um, you know, and, and we've engaged, you know, one, one of the things that I didn't know about MindGeek was that Pornhub has a sexual wellness center. We have a psychologist writing articles regularly about healthy consumption of adult material, about the place of fantasy and sexuality, right? Nobody knows MindGeek's doing that, which is a, a big part of our mission here, is to expand the reach of these programs. They're yeah, important. I, did, I wanted to highlight that. I know that was one of the first questions I had for you. And being in recovery, and you know, I think I mentioned I have a friend I met a couple of years ago who... I, it was it's literally the first person that I've met who is in um, slaw, mm -hmm. you know, sex and love addiction. Yeah. And her talking about, you know, her, how many times a day she was masturbating and then going through the 12-step program and the level of shame and guilt, especially being a female. Yeah. You know, and I, I was, so I was like, wow, this, this really is a thing. And her talking about, you know, the massive tidal wave that's about to come crashing down of young people who are now addicted to this. And, yeah. and how, you know, that translates into, um, you know, there's so much going on outside of on the Internet. And, you know, I don't know if this is 
happening up in Canada. I think I've I've seen a few you know articles here and there, but in regards to say, um, what's it called? Drag story time. Yeah. Where you know they're and we're now uh, <laughs> people are are saying that you know we've gone too far in, in normalizing this in such a way where it's impacting young kids at, at you know a kindergarten level and right. I and mean you know. I'll say this so you know there's a, there's an interesting amount of research that's been done on that kind of interaction in terms of healthy consumption of porn when it can become unhealthy the trouble is a lot of this conversation has been weaponized by people with certain religious and political ideologies right, right. Um, you hear there's declarations in certain states, Utah is one of them, uh, that say, you know, porn is a public health crisis. Well, one of the things that we've done here is we brought to the table, you know, researchers and academics who spend their lives studying this, and they say, that's nonsense, number one, okay? What you really mean, what is really meant by that uh, is that you have a worldview, a particular political or religious worldview that says sexuality, and with a very strong focus on female sexuality, needs to exist in the bounds of the box that I've designed. Right. So if you're not compliant wife and mother using your sexuality in service of what our ideology says is okay, everything is, is unhealthy on the outside. So I'll, I'll just say very clearly, um, our values, we reject that entirely. Yep. Okay. Um, our view is that uh, sexuality is a human part of, 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 you know, adult expression. Uh, it's an important place of self-discovery. It's a place of play. It's a place of role reversal. It's a place where people, you know, get something they can't get anywhere else in their lives. Now, all things have to be done in a healthy way, right? They have to be done in a safe way. They have to be done in a secure way. They have to be done in a legal way. They have to be done in a healthy way, right? Physically healthy, mentally healthy, right? Uh, and, that, and that's part of our sexual wellness center, the sexual wellness center that you'll see daily articles uh, that talk about, you know, real sex life versus, you know, uh, versus porn, that they're different. But fantasy and you know, just like in literature, has a very important place in our lives. It expands our minds. It shows us possibilities that might not be possible in our real life, but can inspire parts of our real life, right? Um, you know, and you know, we hear of many, many couples who not just consume uh, uh, this adult material, but actually create it together, and that's a core part of their relationship. You know, uh, for me, I think also getting to meet sex workers totally in 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 a in a significant way burst this bubble of my preconceived notions. And I met, and I am meeting all the time, sophisticated, thoughtful, articulate, worldly feminists who are producing this material from, from a, a place of real free expression. And we are, we are a platform for that. And I'm proud to be that platform. Right. I think that makes a huge difference is being proud about it. So what was the other question I had for you? It just slipped my mind. Perimenopause. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I haven't had a period for eight months and it just randomly decided to come back yesterday out of nowhere. Like, oh my gosh, forgot what it was like to be a female for a minute. <laughs> uh, let's see. The We had gone from, ah, oh, that, was, that, that was where it was. So in terms of research and what you have come across, would you say that there is far more supporting research showing where sex work is, is legal, that there are lower statistics of domestic violence and rape and, and so forth so, like that. So, I mean, there's, there's a wide body of academic research on, on sex work. And I'll tell you, you know, some, some broad conclusions. And, and I'm speaking here as an educated amateur. Okay. Right. Um, we have real academics on our advisory board. Uh, for example, uh, when I first began researching Pornhub, 
I came across a Canadian master's thesis that had been written by a scholar uh, who, by the way, has lots of perfectly valid critiques of the platform and of the platformization of adult content online. But I read this, this, this thesis and I said, this is the person we need on our advisory board. Not because she agrees with us, not because she's fully supportive of you know, every decision the company makes. That's absurd. Uh, that's an impossible standard. It's not who, who's looking for, for yes people, right? right? We don't want them. Um, and I approached her. She's right now writing her PhD thesis funded by the Canadian government on Pornhub. And she's now a member of our advisory board. This is her life's work has been devoted to researching and studying online uh, sex work platforms. Um, or you know, Val Weber. And Val has done an enormous amount of work in the performer health and safety space. Um, and that's the real public health issue. It's not about the, the consumptionist material, but ensuring that it's created safely. So, you know, when this, this is where the, you know, the research is very clear. When sex work is criminalized, right? And this is true with prohibition virtually of any kind. But when sex work is criminalized, um, the incidence of violence, and I'm talking about you know, the, the, the possibility of real bodily harm and death to individuals increases exponentially because there are no safe places. Law enforcement is not an ally. Social services and supports dry up. Um, criminalization only endangers sex workers. Um, pornography, you know, I'm, obviously pe people should know this is not just legal, um, but it's constitutionally protected free expression, okay? Um, and and that, that means that we have a real duty to create a safe space where this safe and constitutionally protected expression can flourish online. Um, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of back and forth um, from an academic perspective. And what, what we've tried to do is to draw on sources and engage advisors who are not coming at this from a religious or ideological pr perspective, right? right? Who are just looking as to where the facts point. Um, and I had for myself, you know, so many myths exploded um, just by getting the benefit of, uh, of that research. That, um, that when you create safe environments uh, for for this work, the incidence of all these types of of, of violence and, and and other harms uh, decreases drastically. Uh, we see that in jurisdictions around the world, um, and we certainly see it when it comes to the creation of adult material. And when you say safe space, define that. Yeah. So, you know, what what's the mission of of MindGeeks platforms? It's to create an environment where, number one, safety and security are prioritized. That is, people can only upload their own material after they've been verified, and we ensure that it is not illegal um, or otherwise violating of the terms of service. So it creates a platform where people know they're only going to get legal, consensually produced material. But we also are creating a community here. Um, I, I always say that Without sex workers, uh, without our content creators, there's no platform. <laughs> right. You've got a, you've got an empty website. It's it's no good. So we always need to focus at the center of what we do, the interests of content creators. And there are broad interests. Now, of course, we're not talking about a monolithic group. Everybody has different viewpoints, agreements, disagreements, but we agree on something fundamentally important. Okay, and this is where, for example, we stand in stark contrast to you know groups like Exodus Cry. We fundamentally believe in the right of these individuals to exist. That is, we value their right to express themselves freely. On the other side, they can you know, dress it up in language of human trafficking. That's not what it's about for them. They fundamentally want to abolish sex work. In fact, there was a position, one of our, 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 our critics held the position of uh, director of abolition 
at Exodus Cry, abolition means erasing people. Right. Extermination right. is what it means. Now, they've, you know, in a very, I, I think, ironic way, co-opted the language of, you know, slavery abolition to make their point. But it, it, what it means is they want to exterminate uh, this class of people. And we stand firmly on the other side of the street. Right. Where we value the inherent dignity of individuals to make free choices. We believe that people can make free choices. Right. We believe that sex work uh, does not equal is not equated to exploitation. That is, individuals can make rights about how their own self-determination should it, should unfold. And I believe in a free society, right. fundamentally at my core, uh, as do my partners at Ethical Capital Partners, right? right. We, we believe that people can make free choices. We believe that adults are adults. They don't need to be infantilized. <laughs> You know, and, and you know, to us, this is obvious stuff, but right. you have a big body of the internet, you know, this, who, who they have an outsized voice, right? Particularly because voices like ours have not been filling the void, and that that's part. changing. Who say, you know, that this is, you know, equivalent to exploitation. And what that does is it takes away agency from individuals mm. who are making free choices about how to use their time and their bodies. Right, because there's so many women who absolutely love what they're doing. And then, well, let, let me push back one second. Even if they don't love what they're doing, not everybody loves every part about their job, this right? That's true. Go, go, go to McDonald's and ask <laughs> the individual. Like, you know, one thing that, that, that emerged here, I was talking to uh, one of these critics uh, in, in the course of my research, and they said, well, these, these women wouldn't be doing this if they didn't get paid. I'm like, did you just invent the concept of a job? <laughs> We all have jobs. I, I don't know how many jobs I've had where I wouldn't go if I didn't get paid. And I wasn't engaging in sex work. So it, what it does is it, 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 it comes from this worldview that sexuality is off limits to individual choice. Right. right. And I reject that worldview. That you can love your job, like your job, some days not love your job. If it's your job and you've chosen to do this, it's a choice that you have made, then I will respect and defend your right to engage in that work. That's, and without exception. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. The way you put that is, <laughs> it's funny how sometimes it just takes one sentence or one analogy, you know, comparing that to working at McDonald's, it's, it paints a very clear picture. So Yeah, and I'll say one other thing. It's interesting. When you look at the interests of, let's say, Trafficking Hub here, right. okay, um, when their involvement and their advocacy resulted in Visa and MasterCard restricting MindGeek from being able to pay out performers right. on platforms like Model Hub. We have heard from sex worker after sex worker who said, um, when the platform was being serviced by Visa and MasterCard, I was able to make a living indoors with whether it was my, whether doing webcam shows or making personalized content, whatever it was, and I made a good living. Trafficking Hub swoops in and they claim to be here to protect quote unquote victims. And what did they do? By shutting off Visa and MasterCard, it didn't harm MindGeek to the greatest extent. The people that harmed much more than MindGeek, uh, when you look at the financial splits here, are sex workers who many of us had to then go to hands-on sex work, which everyone will agree is not as safe in many contexts, no, right? No, far more dangerous. So what you've done is you've, uh, in the guise of, you know, being anti-human trafficking, when really all you are is anti-sex expression and anti-sex work, you forced people into far more precarious positions. But of course, they don't care because what they're trying to do is exterminate sex workers and exterminate sex work. So, you know, this narrative uh, is, is false. Um, and it, it needs really to be exposed for what it is. And I know, like I said, I know what side of the street I stand on. And it's about giving people, like we said, this safe space to do the work that they have chosen to do. It's a choice. Of course. Yeah. So to wrap up, what would you say ECP's goals are with MindGeek? Like the top three goals over the next 
12 months. Yeah. So number one is to platform and center the voices of our content creators. Um, at the heart of everything we do. They cannot be lost in the business and the tech and the regulation. Um, they are a population about whom laws are made, but very rarely are the subjects of those consultations. So right. we want to use, we have a big platform, right? We've got a big voice, but I want to share that platform. Um, and I want to give it, you know, we're right now in our consultations phase and our roundtables phase. We are gathering the thoughts and views of different communities, one of them being the content creator communities. And our goal is to then bring those voices to the forefront. That's number one. So, and, and ensure that decisions that we make, whether it's policy or tech, as we continue to improve our platforms, are always done with an eye to that community, the content creator community. Okay, that's, that's number one. Number two, um, we're going to continue developing the fabulous technology that, that MindGeek has. We're going to continue investing in it and supporting it and finding uses beyond simply keeping our platform safe and secure. Uh, number three, uh, we are going to be a very active voice in uh, what is important regulation that is being debated and created in jurisdictions across the world. Uh, this is on topics uh, as wide-ranging as age verification, as I told you. Right. Um, we're talking about supporting device-based age verification and being a partner in that. It, this is no one player alone. Government alone can't tackle this. You know, device manufacturers alone, adult social media, we all have a role to play because we recognize that there are spaces where children ought not to be on the internet. Um, so when it comes to those discussions and, and many others, you know, how do we you know, standardize practices in jurisdictions to protect children, to ensure that child sex abuse material is screened by government agencies and then those lists are distributed out so we can always be at the forefront of this. So it's about being part of this public discussion, right, with law enforcement, with, with regulators, with, with NGOs. And, you know, those are our goals. And, you know, we, I'm a big believer in setting, you know, significant goals. And I, I can tell you this, in a, in a month and a half, it'll be two months uh, shortly, I can't believe how much work we've already accomplished, right? That's I, so true. I keep forgetting this was, time has sped up so much. Yeah. At, you March know, 16th, we yeah. launched. It feels like a year has <laughs> passed. Does. I don't know for you. For me, it feels it, like a year has passed. I can imagine, yeah, for right? yourself, that would be. Um, and that's and, and that means that we're hard at work, right? right? It means that our the, our partners are hard at work, um, our advisors are are hard at work. The team at MindGeek is is hard at work uh, because we we share these the same values. We're going to protect children. We're going to safeguard intimate images. We're going to fundamentally respect the rights of individuals to self determination and free sexual positive expression on the internet. You know, and and with that, with that at its core, I, I think the, the the you know the the potential is unlimited right. for what we can accomplish together. Great. In conclusion, what would be your final message or statement to anybody listening in terms of this topic? Yeah. So, it, it it's really about combating misinformation. Um, that there is an enormous amount of you know false, misleading, just plain wrong information about uh, the adult industry generally and about uh, MindGeek and Pornhub in particular. Keep an open mind. Yep. Ask the probing questions. When you are told a statement, when you're, you, know, you read a tweet where someone says, oh, they're all criminals there, ask, ask yourself, it's weird, they're criminals, they, they have got a big office in Montreal, they've got offices around the world, nobody's getting arrested, right? So either it's a massive law enforcement conspiracy or these folks are doing the right thing. Right? And the right thing doesn't mean perfect. No business can be perfect. You know, threats online emerge and change, and you've got to evolve to meet them. But ask the right questions, evaluate the evidence, and uh, you know, my firm belief is you're going to come to this conclusion that MindGeek is at the center of protecting children, at protecting sex workers, about creating this platform that respects uh, sex-positive free expression. 
Um, and I hope that we can be a part in, you know, in, in that education process as well. Incredible. Well, appreciate you coming on and taking the time to highlight all this stuff. I know it's been quite a whirlwind over the past couple of months and beyond because you've been working on this for, what, two years yeah, now? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be excited to see, you know, what happens in the next six months and super grateful for your time. My pleasure. I'm, I'm so happy to be here.